Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Night Journal Podcast. figured it out. Uh, uh, my name is Kyle Versteg and I'm with James Noka. Oh, hey. How you doing? I didn't know you had a recording on. Yeah, and I'm going to do... Uh, we're biking it today. Yeah. Uh, actually had a couple of... Oh, a couple of... Uh, Things so so Jim bought a motorcycle. Um, yes, I did. I need to get a Phillips head, and I'm just putting the battery back in mine. Phillips head, and I'll put this in, and hopefully it'll start. Yeah, that. Uh, um, that whole seat thing coming off like this is ridiculous. I want to. I wish they would make something that was. That you just pull the lever and pop the seat off. That would make too much sense for Triumph. You know, I, that was... <laughs> I was like, where the hell do you put your uh, your um, registration and all that crap? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, well, they make a tube or wrench. They make a tube somewhere. Yeah. And uh, that you can put mount it somewhere, but... It's one of these... Okay, so I'm just putting my... No, it's not. Holy crap. Don't tell me a Harley battery has a millimeter. Has a uh, metric. That's a Harley battery? Yeah, because my original battery uh, died. The batteries in them aren't the greatest. Actually, what's kind of funny is mine's got a new battery in it, too. The guy that that I got it from uh, put a new battery in it this spring. He left it it in there all winter. Well, I'll be damned. It is 10 millimeter. Well, the, uh, anyway, the, uh, battery here, my original battery died and I replaced it. The only, only motorcycle dealership anywhere around me was a Harley dealership. So I just went there with my buddy and he ended up buying a bike. He got the ladies Harley. (laughs) (laughs) Sportster. (laughs) Sorry guys, but it is the ladies bike. Maybe it's been on 1200 for the bigger ladies. Oh, I suppose. Let's see. So well, let me just bring it up right here, see if it'll start for us. How is it? How are we for pressure? Well, it looks all right. You have a primer? No, nope, just. Um, I got a choke. And I think I got. Yeah, I got fuel in the tank. Let's see. Not in gear. Ooh, you're out of gear. Yeah, I know, but um, I think the battery is. Oh, there it goes. Get your choke pulled up? Yeah. It'll go. I might end up having to connect a trickle charger to this. Start! Uh, there's another trick. Um, somewhere I have some ether. Oh, <laughs> Boomba! Yeah, uh, and this is normally aspirated, so that should work wonders. Here it is. 
You know what's interesting? Those si- your side covers. Yeah. So you put a you put a box re- uh, uh, air box replacement, right? Yeah. Okay. So for me, if I put an air box replacement on that, I think you leave the side covers off, and you put those two K and N filters. They kind of stick out to the side. Yeah. This this one they they engineered it so you. You can pretty much just have it the way you want it. So there's the air filter there. Mm-hmm. If you look, those are it. Yeah. So just give it a little squirt here. All right. Oh, there it is. Now we're running out of juice. Do you have a battery charger in there? Yeah, I do. We'll hook the battery charger up for a little while and let it let it come up. It's What's that? Battery charger. Over here. Yeah, so uh, I was at a gun show last week, and I bought one of the knives that I've been after for a long time, and people will kind of laugh about it, but I picked up a K-Bar Dozier, Bob Dozier folding knife. One of the first... Oh, yeah. I got Collaborations one. that they did. Yeah, I got The one that's got the micarta scales. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. And I thought, man, it's really a nice knife. First, it's a slip joint. It doesn't have a lock. It's not a lock uh, blade. The one I've got is a locker. Oh, yeah, this one's not. And I thought, well, this would be really cool to have a custom maker make me a folding a blade for that. Oh, yeah. A full convex blade or a, or a flat ground blade? Just copy the, the one that's in there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But just because this is a power grind blade, I'm not sure how. Here it is. What's that? Charger over there? Charger. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think his, his stuff is all. Uh, well, I've got her hollow ground too. I was, uh, yeah, it was a, it's a giant hollow grind in it and. And it, you know, they do it for whatever reason they do it. They do it. And let's see, let's, let's make sure it's set right. Okay, it is. So, ooh, shit. What? Um, so, you're hot. Negative first, or? All right. All right, so um, now it's charging. You don't have any lights on this thing? No, yeah, it's an El Cheapo, but it works. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, hear about the bike. Oh, mine? Mine is a, uh, a 2010 Scrambler. That's OD green and uh, for the 885, 895 CC yeah, or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. They, they say 900. Yeah, on them, but I, I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, I've got aero exhaust. I've got powder coated black rims. That's an aftermarket seat. Could be. It is because that's the the one that's on mine is the uh, is the OEM stuff. I've got a I've got another seat for it too, a really cool one. Oh yeah, what do you got? It's uh something hide. Norman Hyde uh, seat that it's a single seat, but it's got kind of a, a almost a swept fairing look on the back. Doesn't have a rack on it. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah. Black one? 
Yeah, it's cool. I'm going to push it on. Yeah. I didn't know if that was real or not. And now you got me wondering. Well, let's take a let's take a break. All right. This what you have? No, this. So Jim just handed me this uh, K-Bar Dozier thing. This is different than the one that I've got. I, I have the one that you buy for like 10 15 bucks. bucks. Yeah, this is very different. That's really nice. That was their first, I think their first one that they did. And it's put together pretty well, except for I'm not real thrilled about the blade because it's a deep hollow grind. This is the style of blade that they put on the, the production one, too. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that is a production one, but I just don't think it was. Weird. I think they made yeah, a they limited production of it. Yeah, they didn't make many of those. Because it's got uh, nice micarta scales on it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, this could have been the trial balloon that they floated. I don't know. Yeah, because I bet you that's what that is, is because uh, the the one that you get, you know, you can actually get it at Sloan's. So, you know, that little grocery store yeah. down by Ethan's, you can actually buy them there. I think this, the other thing I think was, this is, uh, this one was made in China. Well, that's, they did a really good job on that. I like the thumb nick on that. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it doesn't have a lock on it, but it's, it's be worth, uh, I think it would be worth taking this apart and having a, um, somebody with some tooling. Yeah, makeup. Okay, so now here's the question. So this this little pipe here that you see, uh -huh. that that used to be uh, part of the um, airbox. Yeah, and then that was like something that had to you had that on there so that your bike would perform less well. <laughs> nice, <laughs> you know, because they put a really restrictive airbox on there, and that was some sort of a mechanism. But so theoretically, if I pour a little gas down that tube. Um, we should be able to get something in the carburetor so that it actually wants to run. If not, um, I'm probably going to have to take the little panels off. There, there's some in there for sure. I just saw it run down there. Okay, hold on a sec. Hold on, don't do anything. Let me, let me put this back on there. Um, I think once we get it started, it's going to go. Right. Um, Knife-wise, I uh, I saw a cool idea that I'm you know it's not like it's the only time anybody's ever done it, but I did see something kind of cool. Push it. Uh, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> Woo! Well, I think that was the one. Uh, <laughs> One drop of gas that <laughs> about blew, uh, blew blew somebody's leg off back there. <laughs> Let me put a little bit more down there. <laughs> anyway, so this is kind of a cool idea. You know how um, on the Randalls and a whole bunch of other knives, uh, yes, it's a stick tang, but it's a really hardy one. And then they miter a big piece of micarta, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it fits down. Mortis, the they call it uh, yeah, mortis tang. Right. Well, so I. I uh, saw a knife that, because I don't have the capability of making, I don't have the machining that I would take for me to do a mortise to tang. Right. Uh, and I don't want to cut my hand off, and you know, so you can do it with a table saw, but like I, I just don't want to lose my fingers. So right. uh, I saw a way of doing that without actually making a mortise. Oh, how do you help? 
two micarta slabs, and then on the bottom, another piece of micarta or G10 that's the exact oh. thickness of the tank. Okay. So I was, I was going to make something like that as the next thing I do. I want to do a, like a little mortise to tang thing, and if it works, if it's attractive, then I might do a mortise to tang imp. Hmm. But, uh, yeah... So that's the only thing I had to say <laughs> in, what, six months? <laughs> that's really the only new stuff I had to say uh, about knives. Well, my uh, kid brought me a knife back from Siberia. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Actually, that's another thing I wanted to talk um, about is that particular knife. And I got a uh, skookum bush tool. Yeah. So, um, and I have another knife I want to talk about too. But let's talk about the. Uh, let me go get my bag. Just yeah, okay. Let me get my bag because it's got. Like, okay. All right. So he's gonna go get a bag, and we'll talk about all this here. All right, we're back. So uh, let's look. Uh, so I, I brought a. Um, my kid was in Siberia, and he picked this up for me. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a knife that they use in the in the taiga, which right. is the same as the same boreal as the forest. Boreal forest, exact same thing. And if you look at it, it's flat ground on one side, yeah, and with a fuller, and yep. then it's curved on the other side. Yeah, so it's got so a, it's got a giant convex on one side and it's flat ground on the other. Yeah, it's basically a full height convex on the left hand side of the blade, and it's a flat ground uh, all the way down flat. No, no secondary bevel at all on the right hand right, side. Right, and it's freaking sharp. It's very sharp, and then, uh, then it's got a, like you said, a fuller. But when you look at it from the top down, uh, you, it looks like the blade is curved because it's flat on one side and curved on the other, but right. it's not. Right, it's, it's perfectly, perfectly flat. I think, I think that that's like that because for carving. For carving wood, because these people are carving wood all the time. Yeah, maybe this is a. It looks almost like the handle is Japanese inspired, a little bit. Maybe in that part of Siberia they. Uh, yeah, it could they be because it's part of Asia. Uh, Siberia yeah, I have to beat that word. <laughs> <laughs> but but they do look uh, Oriental. Asian. Asian, whatever you call it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, mixing back and forth, and of course, uh, right. the Mongols and all that. Right. But yeah, maybe maybe that's because this the handle on this looks different than a lot of the other. Um, Although it's, it's interesting because knives. they because none of those have full tangs. No, you know they're yeah, pretty they're much all stick, stick tang knives. Yeah. You know that's just our <laughs> that's just our. Uh, Notion that we need to have a full tang knife. Well, and actually, it's, it's probably the reason we have that is it's actually easier to make right, a full exactly, tang knife exactly. with micarta slabs exactly. than it is to screw around shaping exactly. a handle. Exactly. But um, because if you look at all the knives that the that the native people use, they are like this. They yeah, don't they waste the steel yeah. on the, on the blade when the wood will do. And we just what do we do? We just don't abuse our knives. Yeah. We know we know how to use knives, and we don't need anything too crazy, idiot-proof. Yeah. Oh wait. <laughs> well, so so anyway, uh, the um, Mora, if you remember, made an American bushcrafter knife for a while. Yeah. That was like a full tang Mora. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they still are or not. Of course, you know my 
sordid uh, history with Moras. Yeah, you love them. Yeah, right. Um, okay, are you going to make me go into the communist knife rant thing again? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, so those are the, those are some new additions to my, my yeah, collection. This one is actually, I really do like this one. Yeah. And um, I have not played with it a ton, but... Uh, but it's pretty straightforward, and it and it ought to be. And and the the Siberian knife actually they have a left and a right-handed version of this. Yeah. And I would like to figure out why that is, because they uh, for some reason they have left and right-handed versions of it. Hmm. But the sheet does not look like a um, uh, a typical bushcraft sheet either. No. It's different. So the skookum that I'm holding in my hand, this is a lot less clunky feeling than some of them. So this must mm -hmm. be like a later... Well, maybe some of you adjusted it. I don't know this. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, because some of the early skookums, I, I held and played around with the one that Morris had mm -hmm. on his neck. And then there were a couple guys there that had early ones, and it felt a little clunky. Um... I don't know. It's it's a it's a knife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's not like a lightsaber or something. Right. I think what I think what they are is because they're so hard to get. Yeah. They they become people's grail knives, and then once they get them, they're like, oh, okay. It's I'll either throw this in the drawer or I'll sell it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why you see a lot of those on the aftermarket, yeah. and, and it's not a bad knife. No. There's nothing. Nope. Nothing wrong with it. I think he did a real good job on the grind. Mm -hmm. If you look at, that's not an easy grind to do, nope. unless maybe he's got some fancy jig. But if you look in the in, in this area, he didn't put a sharpening notch in there, and look at how perfect that right. came out. Right. Yep. So. Nope. We did a nice job on it. Yeah. So I I do have to hand it to him. That is a very well made knife. Mm -hmm. Very good fit and finish. And he did some things. Well, he did one thing on the handle that I like. The holes. No, I don't like those. The belly? Um, I don't like that either. I mean... The curve on the top? Yeah, I mean, the the problem with with his things is um, it's it's like straight across the top, like from the back of the handle all the way to the tip of the blade. It's more or less straight, except the tip comes down just slightly. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down, I think we measured one of these, and it, it was like an eighth of an inch that right. it comes off of the... Right. Well, so, you know... There's a lot that you could do to make this knife actually handle a lot better, um, but this is this is the knife supposedly that met Morris Hansky's criteria, and then the guy went up and had Morris like he just happened to be the first one up there to handle a knife. Basic. Well, yeah, the first <laughs> knife maker to go up there, yeah, and then the first guy to approach him and say, well. Here's something I made that I think follows your criteria. What do you think? Right. And he's like, well, I would change this, 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 and this. Yeah. So then he came back with the changes and did it a couple times and then settled on on this being the the knife. Um, uh, I I would probably do something a little different with the handle. I think the blade shape is fine. I think I would put a better handle on it, mm -hmm. er ergonomically better. Mm-hmm. I would lighten it up a bit because well, even, even with this, it's still kind of beefy. Mm -hmm. You know, the 
the butt cap adds a lot of weight out there that I don't think necessarily needs to be there. Right. I mean, I don't. What are you going to do with that? Why do you need a a butt cap on there? Like or one that's I question whether you want to use it because it's welded on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, gonna, so so now if you hit it on something, it's gonna it can it break. Can, you can break the weld. Mm-hmm. But well, it's know, a it's, it's a good looking knife, and a yeah, lot of people, I, like I said, it's a it's a lot of people's grail knives. Um, yeah, I I played with one of these up 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 at the Hansky course and. I, it, it's an all right knife. There's right. nothing wrong with well, it. It's you just still not, need to have the skill. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't not, replace the skill. Yeah. It's been my mantra for a long time that uh, a knife doesn't solve your your issues. The skill no. level does. Let me go over to the other side here, and I'll see about putting a little more gas in the other carburetor. Yeah, if you let these sit over the winter, they like to dry out on you. <laughs> uh. Did so, we ever talk about this Hackman knife? No, I don't think so. I haven't talked about knives for about six months. <laughs> I've had this for a long time. Oh, yeah, it's like a plastic-handled... Uh, this was an agency but, uh, survival knife in the 60s. Explain that. I don't know what that means. Um, the spooky company with three letters. Okay, yeah. They issued these to their agents, to their operators, back in the day. Really? No. So I could say I, I have a company knife or yep. whatever? Mm-hmm. Or I've seen one. Yep. They're, they're kind of hard to come by. They're, I guess they're pretty collectible now. Yeah, I would imagine. Why uh, Why did they make it a butterfly knife? I have no idea. Except I mean, I, I like it. It's a super strong lock. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a folding knife, do you, is is there theoretically a stronger lock than that on a folder? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sure that. I'm sure yeah, that somebody, I would think that you'd never, you could never, unless you break the handle. I don't think you could ever close it on yourself. No. Uh, and long-time listeners to the podcast will know that I love butterfly knives. Well, and I think I, I think what's kind of interesting about this is that if you weren't trying to like like diddle with them, yeah, like you guys play with them all the time. If you were just wanting to deploy this very quickly, it's yeah. probably faster than a lot of switchblades. Let me see. Let me just make sure. Yeah, I mean, you'd, it's uh, it's a little bit clunky. Right, um, but you're not going to be. Yeah, it's, you're not doing a show. No, yeah, well, that's not a show. That's the, that's literally the fastest way. Right, what I just showed you is literally the fastest way to. But I'm saying you're not going to be doing this. No, 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 yeah, this, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, the object of it is to uh, get give somebody a necktie. Yeah, I like that. It's uh, so this the it's markings on this it says Hackman Finland. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can get these on like eBay or whatever. I don't know. You can make. I can make this. Mm-hmm. No Be problem. Easy to make. I could easily make this. Mm-hmm. I should copy that. Heritage stuff. There's some guy that keeps bugging me. Wants me to make a uh, a Fairbairn Sykes uh, agent's knife. Is what they called it. And he's mm-hmm. apparently he had one. Yeah, who's been and had use for it, and I don't know. He got really attached to the knife, blah blah blah, 
wants another one, and uh, he keeps bugging me, sending me mail and all of this. But I just—that's the kind of thing, you know. If you're going to make a a dagger, getting that right mm-hmm. is—it's a pain in the ass, and and you have to be motivated to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm just not not in my head motivated to the level that I need to be to do that right now. Okay, now it's not going to go in there anyway, after all that trouble. Well, well you won't go down the hole? Yeah, it's, it, I can't get the angle on it. Oh. So... You can um, take a mouthful of the gas and spit yeah, it Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I don't like that idea. Well, I guess we could try it again. It has sat for a little bit. Uh, let's see... Turn the key, see if it goes. Well, I'm going to let it sit a little bit longer. Is this, a, is this a lot frame lock? Yeah, that's a... Lock that, your steering wheel? Yeah, you can lock your steering column. Do I have that on mine? I'm sure you do. Unless they took it off for some reason. So all of this, uh, all of this podcast so far is taking place out in my uh, knife shop, and uh, this is what a bike sounds like that starts right off. Yeah. So now he's gonna rub my nose in it, but uh, his has been up and running this year, and mine hasn't. Mine, mine always starts eventually, <laughs> and the 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 later in the year it starts really well. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's got a bike that. Um, so my understanding of the history of the Scrambler is that the Scrambler was modeled after uh, Steve McQueen's bike in The Great Escape, and he, so Jim's got a Scrambler, and they they uh, took and OD green some stuff and blacked some stuff, so it really does look quite a bit like it. Now. Riding that versus riding mine, that Different. is way higher off the ground. Yeah. And it's it's nimbler. It steers more nimbly. And it almost felt like first gear was torquier. Oh, yeah. So they well, I think, it's, I think it's got a different sprocket. Yeah, they must. They they must have changed something on I, it. Because I think the high, the top speed is not as fast as yours. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the top speed on mine is. Um, it's fast. Uh, and mine, in if you do it right, I uh, it didn't come this way stock, but after I did my modifications, you can actually wheelie it. Yeah. If um, the front end will come up on you. I'm thinking you probably could wheelie that. That maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it seems lighter too. I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's higher off the ground. I don't know. But it's definitely way more nimble than mine. I know. I was watching a I was watching a review comparing one of these to a new Ducati Scrambler. Okay. And it was kind of funny because the Ducatis. I mean, these are always people claim that they're really not an off-road bike. Well, they're, they really aren't. But and, and not not a dedicated off-road right. bike. Well, that's it. That's away. what that was. Yeah. What they were saying was it's not a dedicated off-road bike, which is right. It's a Scrambler. It's made to go off when you want to go off. 
briefly. briefly. Yeah, you're not you're not going to be like like taking it and running down the trails and stuff. Right. Well, you could you could dual sport that. Yeah. You could take that on you know some of the trails around yeah. here, but it's not what basically what you're not going to do with that is be jumping it. Right. Yeah. So uh, so they have this Ducati that looks a little more aggressive looking. It's got a it's got a smaller motor, but it's got a, more horsepower. Yeah, and it's and they said it had more torque, but after the end of the show, they were like, "Yeah, it's questionable whether it's got more torque." It was definitely faster on the street, and it was, and they thought it was more nimble on the street. But they said when they took it off road, it didn't perform well at all. And oh, they really? said that they broke some things on it, and you know, it was kind of a letdown. And and me, I'm a, I've been a scrambler guy my whole my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a Ducati 250 Scrambler back in, when I was a little kid. Okay. And I kind of grew up with it. I had it from when I was like 11 years old up through I was 18. I think mm-hmm. I was 19 when I got rid of it. And uh, so they've always had a – that look of a bike has always had a, a soft – I've always had a soft spot for my heart for those. Yeah. They're definitely, uh, definitely cool bikes. Uh, you know, I – when I think of a, a scrambler, the the original scramblers, I think of like a beach bike. Yeah, yeah. You know? Honda made a 450. Yeah. Um, Ducati made the 250. They made a three something too. I think 360 or something like that. Some odd yeah. number. And then um, Yamaha made a made a scrambler. They had a little higher fender on the front. Um, yeah. But they were they were, and and you know what, guys were making those back when I was a kid. We were making those out of road bikes. Yeah. It put a set of knobby tires on them and change the sprockets and, and lift the you know the little tire little taller shocks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that might be the reason for it. It might be the taller shocks. Well As soon as you get yours out we can see. Yeah, we'll put them next to each other. I don't know. After you've ridden yours a bit, you ride mine. You'll 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 say there's definitely a, a difference. Well it looks different just sitting there. It looks like it's not as upright. Yeah, it's it feels way different, and yeah. your your legs are uh, stretched out. Yeah, you're way more stretched out um, when you're when you put your feet down. That'll be interesting. We'll have to get a when I finally side get mine started. Side. Get them, get a picture of them side by side. Yeah, put them up or whatever. Uh, Chance Sanders will be jealous as hell. <laughs> he, he he's keeps, rolling now. He keeps trying to buy mine. So, uh, long-time friend of the podcast, Chance Sanders, yeah. that's who we're talking about. He's uh, big into knives. He forges and stuff. Mm-hmm. Has, he, has he ever bit the full bullet and done the custom maker thing yet? No, or is he no. Not yet? I think he just does it for himself. Yeah, just But he, uh, uh, he's got a knife with Mission Tools. Mission yeah, that's right. Tool. Yeah, it was, um, uh, yeah, it's got that. Yep, I remember that. And, uh, and he right now is currently... He joined a rowing club, and he's rowing. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever done that before. That's not it's, an easy. Thing. No, it's hard. Very, very difficult. I don't think he's tall enough. He's got. He's <laughs> got a. Uh, um, you got to have really good balance. Oh, well, you got to be really that. tall too, because yeah. they the want that strength. real long. Uh, long yeah, pull. You got to have a long pull, so you got to have long and lean muscles. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But the. Uh, Cool. You know, if that if that doesn't uh, start it, it'll, it'll start, start it. it. It'll start. No problem. 
You can jump. Yeah, I guess I did jump at one time. I could do that, I suppose. You got a little more juice. I could do that. Um, anyway, uh, knife-wise, uh, there was this video that uh, somebody sent me over uh, Facebook. Uh, and it was a guy that... He, he's got a real knife shop because he's got... Um, he had a, a, a forge, and that's how he was doing his heat treating. It was mm-hmm. a homemade janky forge. Uh, but he had like real grinders mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and so he's making one of these Japanese utility knives, you know, where they're sharpened kiridashi. on one side and not on the other. That would be kiridashi. Yeah, I guess that's what. I mean, I don't know anything about him. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'll just preface it by saying that. But he made it, but uh, um, both ends were so the, on the one end he sharpened it, the other end he left it alone. But he left that point on there, you know. So like, if you were ever, if you ever had it on your belt or whatever, and you sat down, it's gonna jab yeah, you yeah. in the ribs. Ow! But then the, so like, it had like 1.3 million video views. Wow! And all of these comments on there were people like just going cat five chimp out, and it was, <laughs> it was because of the way he made it, right? So, I mean, the guy probably knows what he's doing, but the thing that really got people was that he. Uh, he sharpened the blade to full sharp, and then he drilled the holes in the tang. Wow! On a, with using a bench press. Wow! And it, you know, so like everybody was jumping on him for that. Wow! And then uh, so wonder he could have cut his fingers off. Right, and it, you know, and then you've got all these guys, and this is this is the thing. Like, if you get any kind of um, acknowledgement at all in the knife world. Any acknowledgement right. from somebody, anybody says anything nice about you, all of the people that they didn't say something nice about are going to jump on you. Yep. And so, so you know, most of them, most of the comments on there are these like, you know, basically guys like me that just make a few knives here and there and sell them. Only those guys aren't as successful at it as I am, and they're all bitter and pissed. Yeah. So they're like, that's not the way you do it. Like, I could have done such a better job. And, and I just wanted to post on there. I didn't because, you know, then you get a big target on your head. I just wanted to post, like, make a video then. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you can do it better, make the video. Yep. And people will acknowledge that, hey, this is an actually better way to do it. Yep. You know, but instead they just want to sit there and bitch. And That's the way they are. It's, you know, one of the reasons why I'm somewhat reclusive. Well, you know what, too? The other thing is... If you didn't have all of this kind of drama, I mean, it's I mean, I have friends of mine that are that use knives, and it doesn't matter what knife they use. They yeah, can, they can do get the job done with whatever it is you put. And they are constantly saying, um, "You should probably beep it out of there." Okay, too. well, yeah, yeah. Um, and they are constantly saying, "It's like a bunch of high school girls." It is. The knife industry is like a bunch of high school girls. Yeah. And and I I can't. I can't defend it. <laughs> right. Well, and then, so, so you know, that that's one of the reasons why I needed to take a, a oh, little yeah. bit of a break is because I was getting too much of that kind of shit. And it's like, you know, how many times can I sit here and say, I'm not an expert in this, yeah. but I can edit a podcast. Right. And, and the two of us talking, people actually want to hear it. Yep. That's my only qualification. That's it. I don't know anything else. And, you know, just leave me alone. <laughs> leave me be, will you? Leave me be. Let me alone. 
Well, let me alone. Let me be, will you? Why me? Why me? Why did it have to be me? You have the same kind of gas tank. Yeah. Well, no, mine has the the. Uh, mine has this. Does yours have the cutouts on yeah. the side? Yeah, oh, it does. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess it does. It just yeah, for knee pads. Yeah. You're supposed to put knee pads on it, I guess. Yeah, I think the original uh, the scramblers that they re-released did have them on. Yeah. They, they must have um, taken it off of yours. I was thinking about the gas cap. Oh. You know, yeah. it's not like the quarter turn gas cap. It's like a freaking car cap. Yeah. You know, you turn it on there and then it's got a ratchet that locks. Oh, maybe yours doesn't. Mine doesn't, yeah. Yeah, mine does. You turn it so hard, it's... Well, shall we try it again, see what it does? Yep. Start. It will start now. Yeah, eventually it will. Once once you get enough juice in the battery, it'll go. I don't know why I keep torturing myself with this. Maybe I should just pull it out and jump it. I could do that, I suppose. If it doesn't start this time, we'll do that. All right. Yeah. Okay, well... What it's getting hell? closer. No, it's because it's because there hasn't been any fuel in the in the system. You, you got to prime it up. I the wish they had a primer. But the guy that I got this from said what he did was when he put it away for the wintertime, runs it out of gas. Yeah, and when he said that, it cracked me up because I used to do that with my boat motors all yeah. the time. Well, I usually do that. I didn't do it this year, but that's that's what I always did before was just run it dry. Because gas it. doesn't gas does not uh, you put staple in it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't put stable on it, it gets ruined really. I mean, it's the gas goes bad really fast. Yeah, but I mean, it's only a few months it's been put up, so it's all right. Uh, it'll go eventually. It does this every year. Yours will too. I'm sure. Oh, I am sure. <sighs> well, what do you want to do? Classic motor works. Yeah, we could take a trip over there. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, it'd be, be it'd be nice to go over there on bikes. Yes, it would be. Uh, to do that, why don't we jumpstart it? Yeah. Um, how do how? Although Kathy said she wanted to. You're right. You better. I better beat that out too. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna disconnect. Gonna roll this. it out. Uh, I'll disconnect it first. There, power's off, and we'll. Back it out, and we'll be back a little later. Hopefully we get this thing going. I'm sure we will get it going. So, uh, guess what knife I used all winter long for kindling and stuff? The finest knife available to mankind. Right. It is the American Knife Company uh, Compact Forest. Did you? What did you put on this? Is that? No. This this is how I got it. So, oh no, he put it. So it if you go to Knives Ship Free, um, you can order. Your sheath with like some sort of a coating or something. Open off, I think it is. Yeah, and so I just had them put that on yeah. as an option at the yep. place. Yep. Actually, it's nice for a D2 blade because it does grease it up a little bit. Yep. Um, but anyway, I used it all winter long and still razor sharp. Sharp enough. I haven't gone over it with yeah. anything. I got a couple little dings. 
some burrs out towards the tip where where I was uh, I rolled the edge a little bit, but um, that's easy enough to clean up, especially since it's uh, convex. I can sharpen that really easy. Yeah, it's no problem for me. A lot of times those uh, little rolls will actually pull straight on your shields. Yeah, with a steel or whatever. But mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only... I used it all winter long. I had a fire every single day, and I made kindling every day with it. Um, you know, it's funny. That's all I got. I burned this year almost 60 face quarter of wood. I probably, I, I probably burned 45 face quarter of wood this year. Jeez. I probably have 16 left. Yeah, it's amazing to me how much wood, and it's not been that cold of a winter. The only thing is, Kathy said that we had a fire a lot earlier this year than we normally did. Huh. But um, I burnt half of that Holzhausen, so I I burnt I think six full cords of wood this year, and we never had the heat above 62. Yeah, and it, our house was always plenty warm. Yeah, I didn't go, I didn't burn any gas at all. <sighs> Peanut butter, skippy peanut butter, and currently I'm using a butter knife with skippy peanut butter, and I'm spreading, always using a knife, man. Right? This is a, uh, what is this? What kind of knife is this? Uh, I don't know. Not Reed Barton. No, some generic thing. Probably stole it from a cafeteria or something. I love peanut butter. Mm. Peanut butter, that's that's what, you know... Uh, when you make the perfect bushcraft knife, it's supposed to have enough blade to reach into the bottom of a peanut butter jar. I would agree. That is uh, that is a very important thing in the world of bushcraft, is to be able to reach into the bottom of a, of a peanut butter jar. Put some of this on there. <laughs> oh, I don't like that on there. He doesn't like sriracha on there. I, I like, like sriracha sauce, but I don't like it on there. I like it on eggs, boiled eggs. It's really good on a peanut butter sandwich. Really? Oh God, it's fantastic! So it's like um, it's like Thai food. It yeah. tastes fantastic. Uh, We've been doing one of those um, um, companies that does a whole meal for you. Yeah, Blue Apron. And the only meal we did not like was the uh, the Thai one. Out of we've, been, oh, really? we've done it for yeah, because it didn't turn out right. It didn't turn out the way it should have. I think. Oh. And then it gave us both heartburn. Well, I never have that problem. It wasn't that hot either. It was, I don't know. Just, well, something wasn't, maybe we didn't do something right, I don't know. But every other meal that we've had has been fantastic. Yeah. Which is nice because you're cutting, you know, you get to do all the fun stuff. You don't have to worry about the measurements. The recipes are easy. Yeah. Definitely worth doing. Let's see. What did I make recently? Oh, I know. Uh, pickled pork. You ever heard of this? Mm-mm. It's a thing... Um, I like pickled rainbow, me. Well, yeah, I know. That's the only kind you can get up here. Well, so pickled pork is uh, back before the days of refrigeration. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of ways to preserve meat. Um, you know, you can salt it and do it that way. You can salt it and smoke it. And basically, you can cure it. You can dry it. And another way uh, is to pickle it. And if you're going to pickle it, your pickling will have uh, 
And I just put a, a video on this on the internet. Uh, your pickling is going to have water and vinegar and a little bit of sugar and then mustard and some other things in there. And you let it sit, you let your chop sit in there for a few days, uh, and then it's pretty good. Um, you know, you don't, I wouldn't recommend, you know, trying to keep that at room temperature or something unless you were in a, in a real pinch. But, um, the reason I made it is, uh, there's a bunch of different ways to make red beans and rice. One way is with ham hocks. Right. The other way is to use pickled pork. And so I wanted to try uh, pickled pork in there. So I made a couple chops of So it's of that. tangy like a pickle? Yeah, it's tangy. And it's really good. I took a little piece of it and, uh, and fried it yesterday, just a little piece, and it was delicious. I think it'd go real well with, like, sauerkraut or fried potatoes or something like that. That uh, sounds good. Yeah, but it's supposed to really make your uh, red beans and rice tasty. Hmm. I'm going to try that, like, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds actually pretty good. Yeah. The other thing is I made, I bought, I got two hogs this year. Both of them were Tamworths, and they're all butchered up and in my freezer. And I took and made uh, bacon um, out of one whole one of them, and I still have two pork bellies left that I need to get to. But I've just been kind of lazy and haven't done it yet. You know, there's a lot of recipes now using pork belly. As yeah, a, I know. That's that's the new kind of it's the new kale, basically. Yeah, <laughs> the new kale. Fucking hipsters. That's funny. But it's actually pretty good. No, I know. It's 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 an Asian. It's very common in Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, there's a thing that you can get. When I was over in uh, the Philippines, you can get it there. You can. I got them in Taiwan. I got them in Japan too. Uh, it's bao, uh, and it's a it's a bun. It's not leavened, and it's not really browned. They steam it, and it's made with, like, rice flour. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of that, they'll put, like, pork belly and, like, a sauce and sometimes, like, cabbage or something. It's really good. Yeah. Well, I know that it was interesting. We fried, we had catfish uh, the other day. Yeah. And it was a uh, oriental dish. And they fried catfish a way I had not done before, which was... You, flour, you floured it with wet rice flour first, then you put it in egg, and then you use panko crumbs. Yeah. So the so for some reason, <clears throat> everything stuck the way it was supposed to stick. Yeah. You had no breading fall off in the frying process. Yeah, that's and nice. And it came out freaking fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Did I tell you I uh, came up with the ultimate fried chicken? The ultimate fried chicken, huh? Yeah, so I have a video up on on it, but I actually took it a step further. And I think the step further is what does it. So I've got a video on my YouTube channel, Average Iowa Guy, uh, about fried chicken. And basically the big secret, and I got this by snooping around the kitchens at uh, Bavarian Inn and <laughs> Zender's in Frankenmuth. And basically what they're doing... and what they're doing is they're taking their chicken pieces and boiling them first. Okay. Right? And then and then you bread them, and then you fry them. Uh, but that way, uh, you boil it to an internal temperature of 170, so you know it's cooked. 
So you, when you fry it, you're not like leaving it in there for days and days. Right. You know, because the thing is with, if you're frying up, unless you're just frying up one particular cut of chicken, like you're only frying legs and all of them are the same size, some of it's going to get more done than others. Right. And it, some of it, you lose a lot when right. you do that. So they parboil it and then they take the broth and they make their like noodles. <laughs> you know, the noodle yep. soup that they yep. always yep. serve yep. you. So that, but then, so then the, the thing that took it a step further is uh, after I got them boiled and cooled down and cut to how I like them, then I soaked them in buttermilk overnight. Oh. Buttermilk and uh, some parsley in there. And oh my God, was that good. Uh, hmm. And then and then you just take it and bread now, it and fry it like you normally would. Uh-uh. No, this is different. So and one stuff. It, it was just adding one step to what what I figured out they're doing down there, mm-hmm. and it is it's night and day difference. It's like the best chicken I've ever had in my life. Huh. Yeah, we had that last weekend, and uh, huh, that sounds good. Yeah, like I said, the you know the thing about the um, the the apron uh, recipes is everything is always like catfish fillets. Let's say they said cook it five minutes on each side. Yeah. Give or take. So you set your timer for 10 minutes. At five minutes, you flip it over, and it comes out perfect. I've noticed that with uh, the the different pieces of meat that we have fry, used the fry pan for. Yeah. have always been like that. You uh-huh. put it in this much time on this, uh-huh. this, and then flip it over. And they've been perfect every time. That's cool. Ooh, I better not turn that on. Uh, suck your small child out. Yeah, so... I'm actually, we're making uh, spaghetti and meatball feed tonight, uh, and I have a way of doing my marinara. Maybe I'll tell people on here. I've never put a video of this out, but it's pretty easy. You don't really need a video. So I have a couple bone-in pork chops, and I've got a a pot heating on the stove. It's going to heat up, and uh, eventually when that pot is good and warm, I'll put some olive oil in the bottom. And I'm going to drop these pork chops in there, and I'm going to brown them on each side. And then, after I do that, I'm going to dump in whole peeled tomatoes and let that simmer for a while. Uh, and it imparts this richness to the sauce. I also have a little piece of beef left over from something else I'm going to throw in there. Did you, um, uh, which which uh, tomatoes are you using, the six and one? Or no, I use I start with whole peeled for mm-hmm. my sauce, okay. and um, I, I cook them for a while, and then I fish the tomatoes out of there, and I put them in a blender and just pulse it briefly, yeah. and then put it back in, after, but I do it after it's cooked a little yeah. while. Because I know that other uh, can of yellow tomatoes, they that they use that every time, that starts with a C, I think. What is it? <clears throat> Some foreign brand, hmm. but it's a yellow can, it starts with a C. Oh, I don't know what that is. Hmm. I thought you bought it before. That was a. I thought I'd seen that you used that before. Oh, there's yeah. I, I so it's not the six and one. No, there's there's uh, San Marzano tomatoes that yeah. are DOP, which you can get, but they're really expensive. And honestly, I haven't noticed a difference between those and like your garden variety hunts from the store. So I just use that. It's really uh, how you do things. So, like I said, you simmer the. Simmer the 
pork chops in the sauce for a while. Then you fish the whole peeled tomatoes out of there and just blend them up briefly. And then uh, you'll taste it, salt it as you need to. Uh, add, I like fresh ground black pepper in there and then a little bit of herbs, but I don't add that till the end. Right. Because otherwise it doesn't, it's really not doing what it's supposed to. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's how I make my marinara. And then if, I, if I'm adding meatballs, I'll add them in at the end just to basically heat them up because my right. meatballs are always cooked. Right. So that's how I do it. And it's really good. Kind of classic recipe for it. Yeah, I started buying my olive oil like that too. Oh, and a big You know, you're, and you're supposed to store your olive oil in tin, and I don't think people realize that. Oh, yeah? In a dark place. Oh, because probably because light degrades it. It's right, like beer, exactly. I suppose. Exactly. It oxidizes it. So that's plenty hot. And so we don't get smoked out here. Uh, so we finally did get my bike started, and uh, we had designs to bolt out of here real quick and go to the motorcycle shop, but we discovered that uh, our wives had left uh, to go, and they left the kids behind, so we can't leave just yet. Left behind. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't really have any more knife content to talk about, but there are some political things I would like to cover if you want to do that. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's let's battle royale here. Okay, so let's bash everybody. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, knife Journal Podcast. Uh, you're going to have to... Don't, don't let me forget. That. I think we're at 103. No, this is 101. This I've is 101. Done Have you? I did one with. Uh, you did one McIntyre. with McIntyre. Oh, you you did another one? I didn't know that. Well, maybe maybe it's only one out. Maybe yeah, no, you just did one. So it's 102. Then. No, it's 101. I'm sure. Let me look. Unless you're not updating the feed right. Uh, Last one with McIntyre is 100. Yeah. Okay, so it's 101. Yeah, so we're on uh, episode 101. Uh, I just need a little break. <laughs> Too much drama in the knife world yeah. for this hombre. Uh, but then, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Let's go off political. Yeah, so the rest of this podcast is going to be some political stuff, and there we have gotten feedback that people want a warning so they can just turn it off. So here's your warning. Here's your warning. Let's go. So, uh, so where do we start? It's been a busy week. Let's talk about Monday first. 
Okay, because there's a lot of stuff that's happened in just one week. Monday was the disclosure that Susan they Rice. They did wiretap them. Well, that no, that, that Susan Rice on that. Okay, so we got to be very careful with our wording here because people are going to listen to this and they're going to nitpick everything that we yeah. say. You know, right? and so, that's exactly what the Democrats are doing. Yes, but but my point is is like we have to be careful how we word this, yeah. and we have to be accurate with how we word it. So basically, Susan Rice is was the um, NSC. Uh, what's what's the director. director, which is a White House basically cabinet position, right. and uh, it it turns out that um, she had gone and requested the unmasking of a bunch of people associated with the Trump campaign. Uh, for whatever reason, right? And, um, you know, even two weeks before, she was on record as saying, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about the unmasking, who did it, anything like that. So she just lied through her teeth. And then she came out and said, well, yes, I did unmask him, but I didn't use it for political purposes, right? Yeah, right. Well, okay, so the, the points that I've seen raised about that are, number one, uh, it's not her job to unmask anyone because she's not investigating anyone. The, there are agencies that handle that. It's called the CIA and the FBI and the Justice Department. If they need to unmask someone as part of an investigation, then they will do it. She has no fucking business doing that. Right. She has no reason to do that. So if they ever question her, they need to say, okay... You need to justify exactly why you were doing it and what investigation you were part of to do that, right? So why didn't she send it around to everybody? Well, wait. So, so let's keep going, right? So the other thing is uh, that, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. She, she actually did not send it around to everybody. This is yeah. where it gets complicated. So, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought. She so she she requested the unmasking. Okay, here's the other thing. Now people are thinking that you remember before the election, it was oh the Russians probably did something, but they really didn't hack it, and there's really no evidence whatsoever that Trump was involved with them. After Trump won, they were like, oh shit, we've been wiretapping this guy. Not not literally wiretapping, okay? Give me give me a little bit of give me a little bit of leeway on the language. We all know what I mean. The Democrats are they won't give you because they're they're saying that they did not stick wires on his phone lines. Yeah, but and 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 everybody scheme of things that's a term that everybody uses now, knowing full well that that means. Your cell phone monitoring? Yeah, it means your emails. It means basically they're monitoring your communications. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you don't, nobody uses a, a, a regular phone line anymore. Nobody does. Right. You know, it's, it's obsolete technology. So the term wiretapping has been broadened to cover just surveillance of communications. Well, so anyway, so what people think is that, you know, because then after the election they were like, my Russians, my Russians, my Russians just went crazy with it in the press and everybody. Even though there's never been any link, but unless, people think unless you're talking about the Democrats, which there's tons of them. right. But anyway, they what people are saying is uh, they think the reason they went crazy whole hog with the Mo Russians narrative is so that when it was discovered that yeah they were quote unquote wiretapping him, that they would have a reason 
You know, so they basically, it's in, in law enforcement, and you know this, it's called parallel investigations. Right. You acquire some knowledge illegally, and then you have to fabricate how you found it. And, and so they, they, they figure out a way to fabricate, oh, we just happened upon this because of this other thing. Right. You know, and that's, that's basically what they're doing. But the funny part about the whole thing is, they literally were all involved with the Russians. Oh God, yes. They I mean, it's, it's almost disgusting when you start listening and, li- and listing all of the people that have that have made money off the Russians, off a Russian, off of, off of our government making decisions about the Russians. Yeah, and then next thing you know, uh, they give uh, Bill Clinton a five hundred thousand dollars speaking fee and donate, you know, however many millions to the Clinton. Crime Family Foundation thing. So this happened. Mm-hmm. We know this happened, and there's no way around it. And so they're totally in jail for it. Right. And and the thing is, is like if if the Russians really did want Donald Trump to be uh, elected, why would they want him when they know that they have somebody in office who they can buy and sell? They already have bought and sold. Yeah, they already know she's reliable. Why would they want him? It just doesn't make any sense, right? Right. So, so that happened on Monday, and then, uh, you know, then people are like, well, the president can't order it, blah, 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 this and that, okay? And there's no link, there's no proof that, uh, that he did it, right? Okay, so now I'm gonna bring in a couple historical examples. Uh, one of them is from this week, and one of them is from the World War II era. And I just need to bring these up and and ask some questions about it so that people will think about it. Okay, so this week, uh, and let's let's say that, just for argument's sake, and we'll talk about this later, but let's say for argument's sake that uh, Assad uh, gassed his own people. Well, Assad didn't fly the plane and drop the gas and all of this stuff. Uh, and there's probably no written order that says drop these gas canisters on these people, right? But everybody fucking knows he does it, and everybody blames him, right? So now go back in, in to World War II era, uh, and I just looked this up last week, or earlier this week, so I know this is factually correct as of today. There is no signed memo, no signed document of any kind linking Hitler to the Holocaust. Right. There is nothing. There are right. no records of it. Right? Uh, but he did it. We know he did it. Everybody fucking knows he did it. And we put two and two together, and he's the head of the government. Right? right? Everybody fucking knows that he was telling people what to do. Okay, now, you've seen The Godfather, haven't you? Right? On The Godfather, did he fucking write down, go kill... Uh, this Hollywood producer's horse. Right. Nope. Nope. On on uh, Sopranos, did Tony Soprano write down go kill some somebody? Nope. Okay. Now, if you and I were going to pull some shit, would we write down that we were going to do it, or would we hide our fucking tracks? Right. So so these are all these different situations where obviously you they know somebody happen. you know somebody did something, and we all agree yes they did it. Okay, so why doesn't that apply to Obama? Who's the head of the government? Why doesn't why, why aren't we allowed to make the same leap? Of course he's not going to write something down, you dipshit. If you're going to do something dirty, you don't. 
Right. You don't write it down. Of, of course fucking not. What did they come up with? A narrative that they passed along about the about the video. Oh, and where yeah. was that written down? Yeah, uh, you mean uh, the terrorist video yeah. that made uh, Benghazi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, nobody's responsible for that either. He had nothing to do with that. Didn't do nothings. Didn't do nothings, right? This is morning. bullshit. Like, he's the head of the government. You know, it's... The line this morning is, sitting on the sideline is not courageous. Yeah. It's cowardice. And they were talking about... <clears throat> about what... The, the, the previous administration did for eight years is they sat on the sideline and claimed it was courageous. Somehow or another, doing nothing and allowing this man, who they negotiated, got rid of all of their. Yeah, so we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> we have to unpack a whole lot of shit there because I've been thinking long and hard about this. Yeah, I mean they made a big deal about about that, and and so he wasn't supposed to have any sarin gas. So I'm not sure where... Right. So, just to refresh everybody's memories, this was in 2013, and Obama had done a red line in the sand. Uh, we will not tolerate it if there's chemical weapons used. Well, we uh, they didn't. yeah, and so they used them, and now it, it's a little bit more complicated, though. It's not that he didn't We're respond. Not sure he did it. Well, it's more. It's still. It's still way more complicated because if you remember at the time, uh, people were pissed as hell that he was going to go in and start a war with Syria, and they're like, "Fuck you! Right. You're not going to start another war. You're just not right." And and you know you're not going to posture because you, know you, you you know our our credibility is not at risk here because everybody knows you're a fuck up. Like you doing something here is not going to to bring more respect. You know what's you know what's interesting in that whole thing. Okay, let's look at the grand scheme of things. There was a group of people that were very loud and boisterous about that. It was the same group of people that was very loud about Trump is never going to win. Yeah, we're, we're we are the new America. We are the liberal new America. We are what everybody wants. Go play outside. Anyway, and, and so it's the same group of people that were saying, we don't want another war, we don't think you should do... I mean, when you talk about the, uh, the boisterously loud minority, what do you have? I mean, you have, you have that. You have these anti-war people that, that uh, are willing to tuck their tail between their legs at any moment and right. be pushed around all the time. And before they they're the same people that say... Oh, you should never fight. You should never fight with a, a bully. You should never defend yourself. You should never, you know, they're the same yeah. people that say, we don't well, want to have a border wall. We want to have open borders. They're the same people that say, oh, it's just if it feels good, do it. You know, but this well, is not what we are. Well, it, let me, let me just obvious. say, let me just say that at the time, and if people went back and actually listened to the podcast, probably both of us were against, mm-hmm. and I, I am still against, Obama, specifically in 2013, going and bombing Syria. Because at that point, he'd lost all credibility. You gotta look at this in context. You know, we had- We've never been president. Right, we literally- never was qualified. We we, we literally had nothing to gain except to get embroiled in some shit. And him bombing them isn't going to send any message because everybody knows he's an idiot anyway. The entire world did. 
So it's different when Trump does it, because Trump is somewhat unpredictable. And I, I saw an analyst say that really 10 cruise missiles would have completely destroyed that airport. Right. He sent 59. Yeah. So that's, that's bombing the rubble. Mm-hmm. And you do that when you're like, look, dude. I, I'm not, this is a new sheriff, and I'm not going to put up with him anymore. And what's interesting about it is, so think back about the previous administration negotiated a deal with yeah. Syria with Assad that he was going to get rid of all of the chemical weapons. Actually, we didn't. Russia did. Oh, oh, that's correct. Yeah. We had Mama's bunny cookies. Obama's, Obama's love child. Yeah. <laughs> we had nothing to do with that. Putin came in and yeah. made Obama look stupid by yeah. saying, okay, he's going to fork them all over to us. And communist Kerry, what did he say? He said, okay. Yeah. And, and we're, you know, we negotiated it. It's all gone. These are the same people that negotiated with Iran about the, their nuclear issues. Yeah. They're the same people that negotiated with with uh, North Korea about their missile activity. Yeah. So so, so guess what? For the past eight years, the world has been running amok because we've had uh, no balls in the White House. I think I really think that he's an unsullied, only not a warrior. Well, at any rate, the um, unit unit yeah unit yeah well. So at any rate, I. I had I had a couple questions about this whole Syria thing this week. Um, number so let's let's just say what I've heard is that uh, the reason I've heard that that Assad would want to bomb his own people is that uh, there's ISIS mixed in with them and he just wants to get rid of all of them. And, right. So let's just accept that that he would want to do that. Right. Okay. So. I'm not going to argue that point. Maybe he wants to do that for whatever his reasons are. What I'm going to argue is, why would he do it with chemical weapons when conventional weapons will get the job done better, cheaper, and not and not make everybody crazy? Which which makes me wonder. You know what the hell? I number one. Okay, weren't we, weren't we a, wait, just a second. Wait, let me finish. Number one, weren't we told by Kerry and Obama that all of the chemical weapons were gone? Okay, so either you're incompetent in that you didn't make sure or you were lying. Uh, either way, it's not good because, you know, it shows up with chemical weapons. Now, I need somebody to explain to me what he has to gain by using chemical weapons as opposed to just blowing them up. I, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. It could be that the, that it's the Russians are in collusion with Trump. <laughs> yeah. And the Russians, the Russians actually were the ones that dropped the, the sarin gas. So the Trump can look strong? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Bullshit. Um... Oh, and then, and then here's the other thing. Um, one one last thing about the what I was getting to with the uh, with the spying thing earlier this week. The the one defense they're going to say is it's it's not in the president's power to order something like that. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah, okay, fine. If 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 it's not in their power and they wouldn't do it, then why are you so scared of Trump? Because you realize that who's ever in that office can basically do whatever the fuck they want and will do it. 
like the Game of Thrones. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, there are constitutional limits. In fact, it is in our Constitution that you can't just willy-nilly launch cruise missiles. You right. have to ask Congress to do that first. That's in our Constitution. It does not say anything about launching you know, strikes unilaterally yeah. anywhere. You know, right. But that's something that we started doing after World War II right. a little bit. Because we needed to. Because we're, we were the world's police force. Right. But, but at any rate... Um, You're right, it does not say that. Yeah, I know. Accepted, so, but it's accepted. It's, yeah, unfortunately our system has evolved that that is now a power that the presidency has, mm -hmm. even though it's not technically... And they're not declaring war. Yeah. They're basically, uh, they're called corrections. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like when your dog piddles on the floor. Yeah. And you slap it on the nose with a newspaper. Yeah, you're not declaring PETA, war on your dog. PETA would be upset with you doing that. Yeah, they just take your dog and shoot it. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, like, have you heard, like, if you if you take a dog to, like, a PETA shelter, they're like, yeah, we'll take care of it, we'll bring him to a farm, and they have bunnies and sheep, <laughs> and then they, like, take him out back and, like, gas, gas him in a van. <laughs> like, literally, they had, like, a, a mobile dog gassing van, it, like Auschwitz One or whatever the fuck it was called. Well, I tell you, it is uh, the, same, the same level of... Um, And, and, I mean, to be honest, everybody so far that's gotten a cruise missile strike has deserved it. I mean, there's no, uh, I mean, you, what, what Trump did with, with the whole gassing newspaper slap is really, uh, we do not want to elevate, escalate that. No, no. Any no. kind of warfare to that level. Because you know what's next is biological warfare. And we, we don't want to be part of that. We, we do not want to have a, a whole yeah. population wiped out. Well, and, and the other... Somebody fucked up. The other thing is, is Trump was in a situation where he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. Because earlier that day, uh, literally earlier that day, he um, they were asking Tillerson, mm -hmm. uh, the Secretary of State, about something. And I was listening to this on NPR, and they're like... Well, he didn't really answer us. That's not really an answer. So what does that mean? I guess we're just going to let him get away with it and blah, blah, you know, and all of this stuff. Uh, and yeah, remember... And, and I heard Donald and, Trump say, I'm not going to tell you people what I'm going to do. Yeah, as a, in the campaign, he's like, I'm not forecasting anything. This right. is stupid. The Obama would have told the world, in tw two days, we're going to bomb these people. And then, by they, then, they, they move did, all the stuff away. What they you know? did was... They gave them enough time for the people to get out of the area. 30 minutes. Yep. But that's not enough time to move all that gas and all those right. planes out of there. Right, right. And, you know, to be, and I guess they got a lot of aircraft. <laughs> well, good. Because <laughs> that'll hurt. Mm -hmm. It's not like aircraft grow on trees in Syria. Right. Shit, you can't even get Aleppo pepper anymore. They can't even yeah. grow fucking peppers over there. I didn't even think about that, but that's yeah, that's a problem. I know it's a real Aleppo, serious pepper problem. Yeah, yeah I know because Aleppo pepper is one of the best things mm -hmm. in the world. Um, let me see. I had another point. I was gonna. I was thinking about with the whole. Well, you know, listen. This was absolutely necessary because that's going to make. He's uh, damned if he does. He's damned if he doesn't. But it's going to make him, Young Jung or whatever the fuck his name is. 
take notice. Take notice. Yeah, because that's because another he's next. one. Yeah, that's another one that's been piping off and, and poking the and, tiger. And to be honest, I think I, the Iranians are. I mean, and, and on top of all of that, how many how many countries immediately jumped on board with fucking a yeah. damn straight? Yeah. He needed to do that. You know, I, they said it in Arab, and they said it in French, and they said it in... And, you know, the, the people that stayed out of it were the Swedes, and they had a bus driving down through a bunch of people. Yeah, today. yeah. Hey, uh, that, they, they call that the truck of peace. <laughs> it, it, they're, going to, they're going to increase your life. They're going to weave a rich tapestry of diversity... Using your guts. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're <laughs> mash it on the road. The truck of peace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you had you had a. Uh, I mean, in all in the grand scheme of things, you probably had a dozen nations that have been biting their tongue for the past eight years, pipe yeah. up and say, "That's good. That needed to happen. Uh, if we could afford it, we could have done it too." Yeah. Well, at any rate, it. it I think that. You I know, think he probably will. he probably has intelligence as to who whether Assad actually did it or not. I don't know if he did or not, but it doesn't matter. The well, world they, thinks they he had, did it. They had imagery showing the positions of the airplanes. Well, not only did they drop that on the they they gassed uh, that that town, but they went back and they bombed the hospital to cover up the evidence. Did you hear that part? No. That was that even made it more heinous to me. Was uh, they were expecting the, none of the images to get out, and so if any of those people made it to the hospital, they would have known that they were getting gassed by they were being gassed by sarin gas. Yeah. Because it has some real obvious. Uh, yeah. You know. Well. It, and so what they did was they went and they let's just bomb the hospital now too, and we'll get rid of that evidence that anybody was actually getting treated for gas poison. Well, the other the the thing that gives me pause though is that uh, the videos came out and it was videos of children. Yeah, that's emotional manipulation. Oh, sure. sure. You know, and anytime that happens, uh, I really question it. Yeah. I really wonder. Like, I'm not a hundred percent convinced because I don't have a motive. Right. Why use those when you can just bomb them? Right. You know, there's no reason to use them. So I... I no, but you can. I mean, it's pretty permanent. <laughs> well, the, there's usually no survivors. Well, the, the deal is, though, that with... Uh, it's awful. It, it, it doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't matter whether he did it or not. The perception is that he did, and Trump had to act. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably made the... I'm I would sure have the made the same decision. theorists are really... Getting together now, and they're coming up with this thing where where Trump did it. Yeah, the agency actually, you know, they they resurrected Air America. Well, you know, uh, jet fuel won't melt steel. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. That's funny. That was well timed, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Had to be be thermite. Yeah, had to be. be thermite. Uh, let's see. But that's but that's I'm sure that they're they're concocting some kind of a, you know. Yeah, they, they'll be ignored. But they did have they did have uh, uh, surveillance uh, showing where these planes were. Where they I mean the the airport that they bombed was the airport that the jets left from. I mean they I mean they yeah I mean I'm saw sure them leaving. They I'm sure they, they saw the results. I mean I I don't know. 
I'm sure that the videotapes of the kids were definitely there to, to manipulate the, you know. It makes, it gives me pause. Yeah. I'll just say it that way. Well, um, if you're, if you're, I mean, if you look at it like this too, if you're a news broadcaster and you got, you know, a handful of kids that are burning up and crying and. Yeah, you're going to film them. And as opposed to. Some big fat guy. Yeah. It's not, everybody wants to die anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not so we're not so concerned about Muhammad's life. Well, okay, so here's here's a funny thing, right? Uh, you know how like um, the refugees are going north, and it's it's women and children, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like there's this reporter that I saw, uh, and she she's on YouTube, and she works for some site or something. But she actually went to one of these refugee camps, and it was all like dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and there were there were literally only three kids and they were like late teens and who were the news people talking to not the whole 150 dudes standing around they went and found the kids and talked to them instead did you did you happen to catch the there was a a, uh, interview yesterday with a syrian refugee that was on cnn Uh and the lady was like like anti-trump and she's making statements like she's leaning that direction and and the refugee was like Go go down, you know. We don't want to leave our country, you know. She was like, "Well, what do you? How do you feel about not being allowed to come to the United States?" He's like, "We don't want to leave our country. We don't want to be refugees. Yeah, you know, we want to stay here. We this is our home. This is where we live. We don't want to be refugees. Yeah, you know. So if, if we could put a stop to this, I just as soon have it stop and I don't have to leave. And yeah. he was like railing on the on the news reporter about it. I don't remember the, <laughs> who she was, but it was pretty interesting. Oh. And uh, just so everybody knows, um, that story about uh, that uh, the the Monday that broke. What's her name? Rice. The story. No, is it Susan Rice? Susan Rice. Yeah, the story about Susan Rice was not broken by Bloomberg, despite what everybody thinks. There's a guy. His name is Mike Cernovich, and he's like a YouTube guy. Uh, he actually broke it on Sunday, and. He, because uh, a whole bunch of news organizations had that. The New York Times, Bloomberg, all these different places had that story, and they, they buried it. it. They buried it. And so somebody in one of those newsrooms called him and said, here, here's the story, just release it. So he released it, and 24 hours later, then Bloomberg did it. You so know, kind so, of forced everybody to stand. Yeah, so everybody look, look him up. I'm not vouching for anything he says, but I'm just saying that the narrative is more complicated than... than you know, than it seems on on the surface. See, I don't think people realize what the what the media what has happened to our media and our and our uh, in this country and how they're manipulating the way we. I mean, literally, it's a propaganda war going on, and the and the left is running it. Yeah, and you know, yes, but um, so there's there's this whole other layer of of the onion now. Okay. You have all these people on YouTube, people like me, mm-hmm. and I have, I have, I think, right around 14,000 subscribers, which is a tiny channel mm-hmm. in, when you compare it to you know, some of the other ones. It's big, but it's compared to like the real big ones, right. it's, it's tiny. Um, well, so there's a, there's a few guys. There's, there's this one guy that like, has a game channel with like 55 million subscriber, subscribers, and his name is PewDiePie. And he 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 posts every once in a while would put some political stuff on there, and he has more subscribers 
and more Twitter followers and more views than the entire combined media. Wow. Right? Like, everybody. So yeah, the you got to remember that this was alt-media, and they were not on board with this. Right. But, you know, and so it's, it's, it's guys like him, and there's this other guy I like to watch, uh, Sargon of Akkad. <laughs> he's a, but he's funnier he's a than hell. Yeah, and he's a nerd. He plays games, but he's he's British, and he, he's just biting as hell. And he's actually fairly intelligent. But so there's guys like Milo, guy. yeah, Milo, really good. Milo too. But he he's have had a little bit of a downturn that I don't want to talk about. Um, but uh, anyway, I still think he's a good guy, and I still like to watch he, his stuff. Didn't. But, uh, well, the, the media Trump went after him. Yeah, but didn't Trump want No, it was CPAC. He was going to speak at CPAC, well, and then the media took him down because yeah. he was getting too powerful. Well, yeah. the media went after this PewDiePie guy, too, a, a fucking game channel, because he had more subscribers than they, they did, and every time he would say something, it would totally fuck up their narrative. Yeah. And so they've been going after these YouTube guys with, with big subscriber bases because of it. You know, because they have more influence and more reach. Same thing with Cernovich. Cernovich actually has more Twitter followers than like CNN and all these other well, places. What's interesting about this whole thing, and I don't think people realize it, you know, they talk about free speech, free speech, free speech. And especially on Facebook, you hear a lot about this shit. Oh, I can say anything I want. Totally not true. It's totally not true. If they don't like what you're saying, they will throw you out. They will find they a way. Will delete your, they will delete your stuff. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. Well, with because it. it's a private company. Because it's a private company. Yeah. They don't that own your stuff. And the same with YouTube. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, they, I don't think YouTube is as... Well, what, what they're doing... No, they are. They've, they've gotten what? really crazy lately. They're demonetizing videos. And a lot of these guys, like that PewDiePie with 55 million subscribers, he's a multi-multi-millionaire because yeah. of that. You know, my even my stupid channel with fourteen thousand, I make good money off yeah. of that. I mean, every single month I get a big fat fucking check. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't even imagine what those guys are pulling down. It, it's huge. You know, so so what they're doing is they're going through, and if you if you have any kind of content that that is not towing the party line, so if you say, well, maybe Islam, maybe there are some issues modern day. Uh, maybe it's not being interpreted correctly, and maybe that needs to be looked at. Maybe maybe there needs to be some sort of a reform movement. They'll demonetize your channel. Wow. You know, so there's things you cannot say on there. Uh, you know, and that's that's been a big wave in the last few months because, uh, you know, I think this election, the media thought they had it. But there's this whole other media on YouTube and on podcasts that they don't have any control over. Right. And they were actually bitching about that. They're like, well, you know, you got these YouTube stars that can talk right directly to their audience, and they're not beholden to anyone because they don't they built the audience. They didn't rely on corporate money, so they don't have to listen to anybody. And they were they were mad about that. Right. You know, that they don't well, have to post some narrative. When you think about it, this is where we're getting our news from. What's that? Those kind of people. No, yeah, no, no, well, I mean, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the regular mainstream media. Yeah. That's where, and they're pissed Except because somebody is going around them. them. Somebody goes around them. And the thing is, is this has been happening. Uh, if you watch online, uh, and, you, and you're current on this stuff, and I am, uh, you'll, you'll see a story a couple days before it breaks 
in the mainstream media, and they have to cover it begrudgingly. They knew about it, but they wouldn't cover it. In the 80s, there was a rag called Soldier of Fortune. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) I used to get that. And my wife would say, "Why why are you reading that? And I said, because what you read in this magazine will be in the mainstream in about eight months. Yeah. Because they were they were dealing with stuff that was right uh, was happening right now. Yeah. You know? And people don't realize that. That that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on and what you're doing, what you're seeing is um, the source is, is delivering the content. Yeah. And it's no different than, than the the Twitter feed with Donald Trump. It's yeah. the same thing. I mean, he's, he's got more Twitter followers than everybody. Yeah. I mean, he's just knocking it out of the park yeah. with that. And that's that's one of the things that they're really pissed about is now you don't have to go through them to yeah. get your message yeah. out anymore. And and they're trying to put a stop to it by well, going after the guys with what the big What's interesting is that he's putting them in the front row, some of those people. Yeah. And yet, and yet no, nobody went after the chick in the bathtub of... Cornflakes or whatever, Fruit Loops or whatever that was that interviewed Obama. <laughs> what? Remember that chick that uh, she had a bunch of YouTube. She was like a she's a uh, kind of a chunkier black lady, and they she did a video of her in a bathtub full of I think it was Fruit Loops, some kind of breakfast cereal. Okay. And I I don't want to uh, disparage Fruit Loops because I like Fruit Loops, but yeah, they're good. Um, but she was in a bathtub full of them. Yeah, and that was one of her videos that she did, and then Obama actually gave her an interview. Yeah, and they were saying, "How degrading can you get? You you just gave an interview to a lady that last month she was in a bathtub full of cereal on a, and she, it, I mean, she was. I don't think you could see anything, but yeah, but it's uh, but that was what her channel was based on. So it yeah. gave her credibility. So now you got guys that are in the in the quote alt media. That yeah. they're saying, oh, they're awful, they're evil, or this or that. You're like yeah, but going, they're right. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the problem they're, is, they're, is like they break these stories because the media won't, right. and it turns out they end up right. right. Like Cernovich broke that Rice story and got every fucking detail right. Yep. And then uh, sev- a, a few hours before, you know, I I was completely taken by surprise by those airstrikes, right? Yeah. I had no clue. Right. I was watching baseball went to bed, next day I wake up and we've blown up Syria, right? Earlier in the day, like like early in the day that day, Cernovich tweeted out, my sources say that we're going to have an airstrike on Syria tonight. Okay? Nobody reported that. Right. Nobody. So, so you know, the, the thing is, is like you can't keep getting scooped like that right. by these guys and keep calling them quacks because right. they're scooping your ass. Right. They're doing your job, dummy. Well, no. They're doing the job that they should be doing. Right. The I job know. that they're doing is what some powerful individuals want them to do. Right. And but it's not necessarily tell the truth. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's more than likely it's to deceive and, yeah. and pass on a, a comment. I mean, it was no different than Rice going around and saying Benghazi was a, was yeah, a video. Yeah, I know. And that, that guy's still in jail. Yeah, that's crazy. Maybe, I don't know exactly what's going on with all I haven't looked into that for a while, but... But that was a clear-cut case, and the media went along with it. And the thing is, is like I remember seeing that, right? And there's still, and and actually, um, a friend of mine, probably not a friend of yours, Robert Young Pelton, Mm -hmm. right? We're friends. We talk, right? On his uh, Facebook page, he posted right when that first came out. He posted 
a link to the video, and he said, well, that's a hell of a reason for uh, to kill a ambassador and all this stuff. Right. So, like, initially, I think he bought it. But I watched it, and it, it had a guy that was literally... He was Middle Eastern, and he came up to the camera, and this is on CNN or something like this. But he was clearly not Middle Eastern. He was like faking. He was like, oh, yes, I I have to go bomb this place because of uh, YouTube video, YouTube. Like, clearly, he he was not. Like, I looked at that, and I'm like, dude, that's, that's not... That's not a legitimate guy. That's fucking bullshit. Nobody talks like that. And, and like, they basically took and, and, you know, like, if you had a minstrel show, they basically did that only for Middle Eastern. They, like, gave him, like, a magic carpet and all this shit. Right, and I saw that, and I'm like, dude. Curved sword. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, exactly. And, like, the pointy shoes that curl yeah. up. Like, they literally did that with this guy, and I'm like. It's like Alibaba. Pelton, dude, this is bullshit. This is not true. There's no way. They, these people don't even have fucking mud huts. They don't have YouTube. What the fuck do they know about it? And also, look at the day. It's September 11th. This is a terrorist attack. You know, so immediately, as soon as that came out, I said it. You know, and it's it's the same thing. You just have to keep your eyes open. It, it was a narrative. And they, they persisted. They kept that up for two weeks, even though everybody knew it was bullshit. And then they tried to back it off like, well, you know, no, we didn't. Yeah, you did. And here's the dates and here's the programs. We have it archived, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like you, you can't get away with fucking lying anymore. We have the tapes. And that's and that's what it's that's really what it's come down to. Yeah, and, and now you know we've got it. We've got the timestamp shit now, and we archive everything you fucking do. And now we've got these armies of people that really don't have much of a life, and they hang out in their basement, but they hate your fucking guts. Yeah. And they're going to go through everything and find all of that and shit you know and drudge it up. It's not just going to be their side. And the real side too. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, they'll go after. I mean, there's no loyalty there to anybody. But right. They, yeah, they just want the truth to come out. Right. And, and, yeah. And if you if you know that that's going to happen, then you better be doing the right thing. Yeah, and exactly. That that's, that's well, that's then, important. you know, you know the the thing is, is like they will drudge it up and they will find it. You know that that's and that's that's one of the things that has really changed in the last year. I yeah. think. Well, you know, and it's, you and can it, think about stuff like the. Like what's going on? I mean, I'm a pretty conservative guy, and I've come to the conclusion that the Republicans and the Democrats are not even close to being conservative. They're almost in the same boat anymore. Not much of a difference. There's not much of a difference, and and that should be really obvious. Hold on a sec. That should be a little black pepper there. That should be very obvious with the uh, with the whole repeal and replace Obamacare thing. Yeah, because what they came up with was virtually no different than what. Yeah. Than what was there. Yeah. Um, you had uh, you know instead of saying this is what we're going to do, we're going to we're going to stop Obamacare completely. Everything in there is now gone. Every rule that's in there is now gone. Everything is gone. The only thing we're going to do is we're not going to tell that you have to have insurance. We're not going to tell, you know, none of that. Nobody's mandated to have anything. Yeah. But this is what we are going to do. Yeah. We're going to tell insurance companies that they can sell across state lines. We're going to tell insurance companies that we're, we have a tort reform going on. 
that that doctors, you know, if they make a mistake, the patient's great grandchild will not have a a kingdom because of it. Yeah. You know, we have to do something like that. The tip of your finger is not worth seventy million dollars. Well, I sh- I probably shouldn't weigh in on that. <laughs> you think it is? People would think no. People would think that I'd have a vested interest if I say anything like about that. So I'll just well, stay silent. Yeah, but I, but you know what? It's true. It is true. You know, how many times you who, who can you sue a hammer company if you hit your finger with a hammer? Well, probably. <laughs> People probably have. No, but the reality is if you really wanted to clean up the and make things affordable in the healthcare field, it's not it's not trying to find insurance companies that'll pay for it for you. It's lower the cost of healthcare. The way to do Get that rid of the way through the well, paperwork. There shit. there is one type of healthcare uh, that is affordable, that is not astronomically expensive and uh, is delivered with excellence and has not gone up in price and, in fact, has gone down in price. Do you know what that is? What's that? Cosmetic surgery. Really? Yep. And the reason it has is because it's it's a free market thing. Yeah. The, the market will always bring costs down right. and keep things well, reasonable. Well, and, and that's been the that's been the thing about insurance companies. It's been the thing about the – I mean, think about it for one second. If you – if you have a hospital that doesn't have to have 17 layers of paperwork for every provider, what 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 are the big bills at a hospital? All the doctors now are working for hospitals. They're not even they're employees of hospitals now, and they're not making like gazillions of dollars. No, they're they're like literally the lowest expense that's involved in healthcare. Yeah, it's it's ten. 10% of the bill is going to pay a doctor. Yeah. or No, no they, like literally, and I know that. Oh, I was like, say, I've actually less looked, than that. No, it's, it's, <laughs> so if I if I do a surgery that Medicare pays um, $1,000 for, pays me $1,000 for, which is not very many surgeries, that's a big surgery. Right. Uh, the uh, hospital will collect at least $10,000. Yeah. yeah. And so, so it's, it's, so it's, it's a, it's a minimum that? of ten to one. Why is that? You've got well, because they've got better lobbyists, and I'm not allowed to organize. Well, so you got you got, um, and it's not the it's not the nurses. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's probably another five percent. They, they don't they don't you know maybe it's a five percent minuscule part of the cost. Okay, so now you have what do you have? You have the insurance companies that are that are making money off of the uh, malpractice fee bills, yeah. which because they have they do have a big deal with that. Yeah, they have. Uh, I'll bet you they have twenty layers of management involved in that. Yeah, from you know. Oh yeah, the CEO makes more than any doctor does. Yeah, the yep. CEO probably makes ten times what the highest paid neurosurgeon yep. does. Yep. And so you're, you you put those things in perspective, and you go, okay, at what point in time did this become like this? I mean, I remember. I mean, one of my folks' nursing homes was a an old hospital. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was. I mean, it was a hospital in the '30s. You know, so you see what they had in the '30s. And somehow you, it worked. Yeah, somehow it worked. Somehow yeah. it worked, and, and they, you know, and there there might have been an administrator. I don't even know if there. They must have had administrators back then. They usually of, was a physician of a nursing. Oh, so is it? Uh, meaning, hospitals were traditionally run by physicians. Yeah. 
like an older guy on staff would be the in charge of everything. Yeah, and they and then they would have somebody just writing checks. Basically, yeah, bills. yeah. I mean, you'd have like a secretarial yeah. staff. So it wasn't much more than a big doctor's office. Basically, yeah. So at what point in time did something change? Because this was like this in the after it had World, to be in after, the sixties. No, after, like after, no, no, no. After World War Two, uh, the the reason things changed um, is because after World War II, you had all these people uh, coming back, and uh, our economy was blowing up, Right. and in order to have enough workers to, to do whatever it was you wanted to do, uh, you, had to, you had to offer them something that they couldn't get anywhere else, Right. So, or offer them a benefit that nobody else was offering, so they started offering health insurance. Yeah. But at that time, health care wasn't that expensive. Right. And the reason it wasn't is because nobody had health insurance right. and you had to pay your own bill. Exactly. But now that, now, that, now that everybody's got health insurance, it's like there's a penny in the fuse box. Right. There's a disconnect between the actual person paying the bill right. and the bill itself, which is why uh, you know, cosmetic surgery has gotten less expensive. Right. And everything else has gotten more expensive. There's still some in here. Yeah, there's still a little more. Anyway, that's I don't know. I don't have much else to say. It, it is it is interesting, and and there has got to be an easy solution to it. But I guess my original point is the fact that oh sorry, the, my original point was they're not trying to solve it. No, they're not because be, because because if they were, they would have gotten rid of all that shit. Well, and and the the other the other issue is that. Uh, there's too much. There's too much money in the game now, yeah. and the and the hospital associations have way too much power. You know, and basically there's not. And the insurance industry wants to keep things the way they are. Yeah, because they're they, making. Yeah, because they're making money hand over fist. Right. And it's so really there's not. They're not going to change anything. I don't think. Yeah. Anyway, I don't really have much else to say. Wasn't there something else going on? And that was this week, I think. Hmm. Um, All right. Well, until next time. Yeah.